few verses from Psalm 92. It's a psalm for the Sabbath day. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Now we're going to read the scriptures. We've got an unusual Bible reading. I've led you a bit astray there, unfortunately. Uh, We are going to get to some verses in Mark chapter 2. But we're going to read several verses in several places of Holy Scripture. And by the end of the reading of these verses, you will know what I'm going to speak to you about. Okay, so it won't take you long to work it out. Alright, so here we go. We're going to begin in the book of Genesis and chapter 2. The book of Genesis chapter 2, in fact, I'm going to read the last verse of chapter 1. So, Genesis, if it gets too much in following, don't worry, um, I'll slow down a bit, and if you don't want to follow, I understand. So, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Now we're going to turn over to the book of Exodus, the book of Exodus and chapter 16, the book of Exodus and chapter 16, and we're going to take up the reading at verse 22, Exodus chapter 16 and verse 22, I'm going to read through to verse 30. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is the Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will, bake today. And boil what you will, boil And lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until the morning. So they laid it up till the morning as Moses commanded. And it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. Then Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, There will be none. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested 
on the seventh day. Now you need to turn over to the book of Exodus and chapter 20, where we have recorded for us the Ten Commandments. And the one that particularly interests us begins in verse 8. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now we're going to turn over to the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5, where we have a repetition of the Ten Commandments. And you'll notice something slightly different here. The emphasis isn't on creation. The emphasis is here on redemption. So Deuteronomy chapter 5, and we begin to read at verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, that your manservant and your maidservant may rest as well as you. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Now we turn into the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms. Psalm 118. And we're going to read two verses. Psalm 118, verses 22 to 24. Psalm 118, verses 22 to 24. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvellous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now we're going to the book of Isaiah. This is our last one in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 58. And the last two verses of that chapter's Chapter verse 13 and 14. So Isaiah chapter 58 verses 13 and 14. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honourable, you shall honour him. 
Not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now we do turn to Mark's Gospel chapter 2. Mark's Gospel and chapter 2. We take up the reading at verse 22. No, sorry, verse 23. Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 23. And we read into chapter 3. Now it happened that he, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And as they went, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath day? But he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry, he and those with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the priest, and ate the showbread which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched him closely, whether he would heal on him on the Sabbath, so they might accuse him. Then he said to the man who had the withered hand, Step forward. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked round at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And verses 19 and 20. John, John's Gospel, chapter 20. This is after the resurrection. The Lord comes to his disciples. Verse 19 of chapter 20. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Now when he had said this, he showed, him, showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I've got three to go. Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. 
the Apostle Paul, on one of his journeys, Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. I can assure you I won't continue to midnight, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Now concerning collections for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches in Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay, lay something aside, storing up as he has made prosper, so there, that, that there may be no collections when I come. And one last verse, one last verse, and it comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 1. In fact, there's two verses, verses 9 and 10. I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. Now the two verses I wish to draw your attention to are found in Mark's Gospel, chapter 2 and verses 27 and 28. Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 27 and 28. <clears throat> and Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man. And not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. And my subject is the Lord's Day, or if you like, the Christian Sabbath. I started work over 50 years ago in a glass and glazing company. In Bedford, and it wasn't long before I noticed in the workshop a big stack of blue tinted glass. And all it was doing was gathering dust. It would have been quite an expensive lot of glass. So I said, What's going to happen to the glass? Why is it there? And then I heard the story. A man phoned up my boss and said, I'd like a roof. Uh, glazed in this blue tinted glass. Can you do it for me? Yes, no problem. We'll get the glass in and we'll glaze it for you. So the glass came in. And my boss phoned up the customer and said, we're ready to glaze it. And the customer said, okay, will you come on Sunday, please? My boss replied, sorry, we do not work on Sundays. The man said, well, it's got to be done on Sundays. If it's not done on Sundays, it's not going to be done at all. And my boss said, sorry, we do not work on Sundays. Remember, this was 50 years ago. 
My boss paid a heavy price for not working on a Sunday. And there remained the stack of blue glass. I think it ended up in the bin. But that's how it was. In my younger days, I was very keen on cricket. Fifty years ago, when they used to have a test match, they would play Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But Sunday would be a day off. And the teams would go to church on a Sunday. And then they'd continue the match Monday and Tuesday. That's how it was. How things have changed. Now let me give you one or two quotes from some famous people, particularly politicians. Winston Churchill said this, Sunday is a divine and priceless institution. Robert Peel said this, I never knew a man escape failure in either mind or body who worked seven days a week. William Wilberforce would never talk about politics on a Sunday. Let me tell you what a famous atheist said, Voltaire, Frenchman. If you want to kill Christianity, you must abolish Sunday. That's what the atheist said. If you want to kill Christianity, you must abolish Sunday. Let me tell you what some famous Christians said. J.C. Ryle, Bishop of Liverpool, over a hundred years ago, he used an illustration of a building. Let a man lay a foundation of having no Sabbath, and I am never surprised if he finishes with the top stone of no God. D.L. Moody, the famous American evangelist of over a hundred years ago, said this. Show me a nation that has given up the Sabbath and I will show you a nation that has got the seeds of decay. Matthew Henry, the famous commentator, said this. Where, Sab where the Sabbath is neglected, all Christian religion goes into decay. Murray Shane, famous Scottish preacher who died about the age of 30, said this. England without the Sabbath is England without God. Pretty stirring words, aren't they? And Member of Parliament, 17th century Member of Parliament, Sir Matthew Hale said this. A Sabbath well spent brings a week of content and health for the toils of the morrow. But a Sabbath profaned, whatever may be gained, is a certain forerunner of sorrow. Now that's what people said in the past. And obviously we can say how things have changed. Now I want to say that this subject today is rarely spoken about. It's a neglected subject. And can I just say, if you've never heard it 
and I've, and I've met people who never heard a talk about the Lord's Day. Never heard a talk about the Lord's Day. Perhaps you've never thought about it. Well, I just ask you to give you, you, you might, uh, give your ears for me for these few moments to talk to you about the Lord's Day. Can I just say, everything I'm going to say is confirmed by the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith, which you identify with here. Nothing new, but just the old historic position of Christians of many, many years. In recent days, in the Christian church, there have been those who say, Ten Commandments? No, there's only nine. The fourth commandment has been abolished. And some well-known preachers say that. There are others who say, Ten Commandments? They're finished. They're abolished when Jesus Christ died upon the cross. But you'll read great Christians of the past such as Jonathan Edwards, J.C. Ryle, Daniel Wilson may not mean a name to you, did a great work speaking about the Lord's Day. In recent days Ian Murray and Jeremy Walker have written on this subject. Now what I'm going to do is something very simple. Okay, so I'm going to try and keep you with me just to see the logical way I'm going to deal with this subject. Remember our two verses. And Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Please notice several things. Number one, these two verses are the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now the critics say. The New Testament has nothing to say about the Sabbath day. Please forgive me. I said I was going to be simple. I think you'd agree with me. That Mark's gospel is in the New Testament. The Lord Jesus Christ here. Is teaching about the fourth commandment and it's a mighty statement it comes from the lips of the son of God that's the first thing the second thing I need to say why is the Lord Jesus Christ teaching about the fourth commandment if when he goes to the cross of Calvary it's going to be abolished here he is not degrading it but elevating it. Here he is not abolishing it. But establishing it. That the Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. The third thing I want you to observe. Jesus. The need Jesus had to teach about the Sabbath. Now the Pharisees in these previous verses in chapter 2. Were condemning the disciples about plucking grains of corn on the Sabbath day. Chapter 3 we read about the man with a withered hand. And how the Lord said. On the Sabbath we do good. And we heal. And that man was gloriously healed. On the Sabbath day. Now what the Jews had done. And that's why at the end of those verses in chapter 3. They were planning. To do away with our Lord Jesus Christ. What the Jews had done. They had added. Laws 
to the Sabbath day, which God had not said anything about. They had added rules and regulations which were not scriptural. And instead of making the Sabbath a delight, they'd made it a drudgery. You could only walk a few steps on the Sabbath day and the people began to hate the Sabbath day. Perhaps you've uh, moved into a house. This has been our experience. And you think, well, we need to put some new wallpaper up. So we better take the old wallpaper off. And you soon discover this. Not only is there one lot of wallpaper, but underneath that, there's another set of wallpaper. And underneath that, there's another set of wallpaper, layer upon layer, until you get back to the plaster. Well, that's what the Jews had done. They put all these man-made laws on top of this great institution of the Lord's Day. And people had lost the meaning of what the Lord's Day was all about. Now, I've met people. They say, well, I know Sunday's different, but I don't know why it's different. And one of the reasons is, is because preachers haven't preached upon it. There's been no Bible studies on it. There's no been no teaching or reading about the great teaching of Scripture and the Lord's Day. So the fourth thing I want you to notice about our verses. Verse 27 says, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Please notice. The Lord doesn't say that the Sabbath was made for Israel. It was made for man, mankind, the nations, men and women in general. So every generation, the Sabbath was made for man. Number five. Question, when was the Sabbath made for man? Well, you say, well, the fourth commandment, Exodus chapter 20. Now, you'll remember when I read that to you, how that commandment started. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. It says, remember the Sabbath day. To keep it holy. Now you cannot remember something that you've never been told. Can you? If this was new you wouldn't be able to remember. But here the Lord says remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Why did I read Exodus chapter 16? Exodus chapter 16 is an event that happened before they arrived at Mount Sinai. So this comes before the giving of the Ten Commandments. And here the Lord instructs his people, they can gather manna for six days. On the sixth day they'll have twice as much so they don't have to go out on the seventh day where the Lord says it's the Sabbath day. It was a day given so the children of Israel could rest on their journey. So they didn't have to go and gather manna. Now there were some who disobeyed and as a result they faced the consequences. But 
The commandment goes on in Exodus chapter 20 to say when this commandment, the Sabbath day, was ordained. Verse 11 of Exodus 20, it says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And we read, didn't we, right at the beginning in Genesis chapter 2, how God rested on the seventh day and blessed the seventh day. And it became the Sabbath day. Sabbath means to rest. Now, the Lord didn't need to rest because he was exhausted from creation. <laughs> Please understand that. What he was doing, he was Showing a principle for mankind. He was showing a pattern for mankind. And a purpose for mankind. So there would be, in the creation week, there would be six periods of 24 hours. But the seventh period of 24 hours, God rested. To establish for mankind... The principle of one day in seven must be a day of rest. And we would go a little bit further than that. We would say not only a day of rest, but a day of worship. It's interesting, isn't it? Adam and Eve's first full day was the seventh day, the Sabbath. And as they saw the wonderful creation all around them, what do you think they thought in their sinless state? They worshipped the God who had made all these things. Just remember, they're only a few hours old. But they had a mind, they had an intellect to appreciate all that God had done. So we can say, and especially to our atheistic friends. You atheists. You can work out where we get our years from. And our months from. From the sun, the moon and the stars. You can work that out. But where did we get our seven day week from? Now there have been societies who have tried to change their seven day week into a ten day week. But it never works. So where did we get our seven day week from, you atheists? Well, of course, we Christians, we got the answer, haven't we? God ordained seven days. Six days working, one day rest and worship. So the Sabbath was made for man. Now, question number six. Why? Why does man need a Sabbath? Now this is my strongest argument, okay? This is my strongest argument. I hope you're ready for it. Why does man need a Sabbath? Are you listening? Because God says so. Okay? God made us. God created us. He knows our frame. He knows our mind. He knows what we are like and we need a Sabbath because God says we need a Sabbath.
you're sitting on a chair. Were you made for the chair? Or was the chair made for you? Well, I think you can work that one out. But that's what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying here. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. In other words, God, in his great wisdom, says man needs a Sabbath, a rest. And he has so ordered things that we might have the seven, uh, 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 one in seven uh, day of rest. If you were to buy a new car, and in the instructions book, you would read, you need to have a service every 6,000 miles. And you say, oh, I'm not going to take any notice of that. So you go on 8,000, 10,000, 12,000. Now what's going to happen sooner or later? You're going to break down. You're going to break down. Matthew Henry said this. It is God's merciful appointment for all mankind to have a Sabbath. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in broken Britain. We have deteriorated as a nation incredibly fast over these last few decades can I just say the church is in decline and it's going down in 1994 our nation government chose to redefine Sunday and open the doors for Sunday trading. Before that Sunday sport. They changed the day. Do you know what they were doing? They were shaking a fist at God. And saying we don't want your day. We don't want any reminder. That you are our creator. And we don't want any reminder. That Jesus Christ. Is the saviour. Of the world. It wasn't long after they redefined Sunday. What did they do then? They redefined marriage. Another creational ordinance. And once again. We can see what our nation has done. No wonder. The Bible says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Can I just say at this point, so we don't get the wrong idea. God has ordained if there's acts of mercy, like the man with a withered hand needs to be done to show compassion, we show it on the Sabbath day. If your ox or your ass falls into the ditch, what do you do? Leave it there till the next day? Of course you don't. You go and rescue it. So there's acts of mercy and acts of necessity allowed on the Lord's day, the Sabbath day. Because the Lord has ordained us to be. Now I go on to number seven. Number seven. 
The seventh thing I notice from our two verses. Verse 28 says, Therefore the Son of Man is Lord, is, is also Lord of the Sabbath. Now when we read the word Son of Man, it's speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ, his humility. The eternal Son of God came into our world and took upon himself a body. He became a man. He humbled himself for a particular purpose. To come and live a life which we cannot. And to come and die a death that we need for him to. Because he is the, the eternal son of God. The infinite son of God. He went and paid the price. Shed his blood. In order that men and women like ourselves might be forgiven and justified and made right with God. And this is the glory of the gospel. And the Lord Jesus Christ died an incredible death which we cannot appreciate or enter into. He was laid in the grave. And to show himself truly the Son of God. On the third day, listen, on the first day of the week, he rose again from the dead. That same day he appeared to his disciples. And eight days later being the first day of the week. He again appeared to his disciples. We read about it. Thomas was there on that occasion and he said. My Lord and my God. The day of Pentecost, the birth of the church, was on the first day of the week. When the Apostle Paul was in Troas, we read about it, he stayed until the first day of the week that he might break bread with the disciples and then go on his journey. Paul gives instructions. We read about it. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 16. He says to all you churches in Galatia. He says. On the first day of the week. Set aside. Something to give. For the service of God. On the first day of the week. And we read about John. Being in the spirit. On the Lord's day. Ladies and gentlemen. All these disciples. These apostles. They were Jews. They were seventh day Sabbath people. They'd seen the Lord on the seventh day go into the synagogue as his custom was. But here they are now. Meeting. On the first day of the week. There can only be one answer. And this is the answer which Christians have believed for many, many centuries. Is that the one who is the Lord of the Sabbath. He can keep the ordinance. But change the day. That's why I read that psalm. The stone that the builders rejected. And that's what the Jews did. The same has become the head of the corner. And it goes on to say. This is the day. That the Lord has made. We will rejoice. And be glad in it. And when we meet on the first day of the week, we are saying to an unbelieving world, our Lord Jesus Christ is risen. 
And there's salvation in none other. And that's our testimony on the Lord's Day. Now the eighth thing, and the last thing I want to say, just some practical applications. The Lord Jesus Christ came to deliver us from the bondage that the Jews had placed upon the Lord's Day. The Lord wants the Lord wants the Lord's Day to be a day of rejoicing and gladness. And he wants it to be a day of blessing. And that's why we need the Lord's Day, a day of blessing when we're under the ministry of the Word of God. Someone said, Sunday is the best day of the week. And for the Christian, it is. John Bunyan said, make the Lord's Day the market day of the soul. In other words, they used to go to the markets every day to get their food. No fridge freezers in those days. But on this Lord's Day, Sunday, they'd only got one concern and that was to feed their soul on the word of God. Richard Baxter said this, See that the Lord's Day be spent in holy preparation for eternity. How about that? And shall I tell you something, what we ought to pray about our Lord's Day? That a bit of heaven might come down to earth in our gatherings and they might be such great times of blessing that the Lord is amongst us. Ian Murray wrote, wrote recently, he says this, whenever there is a true revival, there comes new desires to keep the fourth commandment. That's historically correct. Isaiah 58. Do you remember those two verses we read in Isaiah 58? If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord, you shall honour him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasures, nor speaking your own words. Then... You shall delight yourself in the Lord. Now I would challenge people and say, are those two verses redundant in our Bible? Or do they have spiritual application for us today? Well I suggest to you, like Walter Chantry, who wrote a great book called The Sabbath, A Delight. He spends much time on those verses explaining there is blessing for the Christian today. And so... We need to remember that. We need to delight ourselves in the Lord. Make the Lord's Day different. Professor Werner Wright, now in glory, his little book at day one about the, Sabbath, the Lord's Day from a medical point of view, well worth reading. He said this, and he writes in it, he said, in Leeds, on a Sunday, they had the marathon. Everyone turned out to run the marathon. He didn't go, but he heard this. The thing that grieved him was this. That as the competitors went over the finishing line, they played the music from the film Chariots of Fire. Now, if you don't know that, I don't know anything about the film, but I know what it was about. Eric Little, that's what it was about. 
Eric Little was a man who refused to run on the Lord's day. He had a verse given to him, they that honour me, I will honour. So on the Tuesday he ran a race, <laughs> he didn't expect to win. But he refused to run on the Lord's day. And the Lord's honoured him. There is blessing. There is blessing from the Lord to come from, from the Lord when you remember the Lord's day. And there's some great instruction. You shall honour him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasures, nor speaking your own words. I used to know a man, he'd never tell a joke on the Lord's day. Not because the Bible said, thou shalt not tell a joke. He said, for me, I want to talk about the Lord on the Lord's day. I commend him for it. Mary McShane said this. Did you ever meet with a livelier believer in any country under heaven? One who loved Christ and lived a holy life. Who did not delight in keeping holy to God the entire Lord's day. And the Lord's day will mean nothing to you. If you do not know the one who is the Lord of the Sabbath. The Lord Jesus Christ. John Bunyan, one Sunday morning in his unconverted days, went to church. He heard a sermon. It was on the fourth commandment. He trembled. He knew he was a Sabbath breaker. And he thought, this is a great conviction about my soul. But he tried to fight against it. And so he went and played a game of sport on Elstow Green. And he heard, as it were, a voice from heaven. John Bunyan, will you keep your sin and go to hell? Or will you be forgiven of your sin and go to heaven? I'm not quite sure how it all worked in John Bunyan's life, but we know he became a mighty man of God. And he was a man who was a fourth commandment man. I'll let the final word go to J.C. Ryle. Let us never forget that our feelings about Sunday are a sure test about the state of our souls. The person who can find no pleasure in giving one day a week to the Lord is manifestly unfit for heaven. Heaven itself is nothing but an eternal Sabbath. If we cannot enjoy a few hours in God's service once a week in this world, it is plain that we can never enjoy an eternity in his service in the world to come. The true Christian shall find Christ and a blessing while they live and give Christ and, and, and Christ and have glory when they die. Well that's our text. I hope you remember it. Some of you perhaps never heard teaching on this before. But I ask you to investigate even more. And he said to them. The Sabbath was made for man. And not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the son of man. Is also Lord. Of the Sabbath. <laughs>